You're listening to Dear God, What the Hell. We're your hosts, Amanda and Christina. The purpose of this podcast is to recognize where the white American evangelical Christian church has fallen short and to recommend ways the church can improve. This is a safe learning and sharing space where we are unpacking our own personal experiences with the church and its sometimes toxic theologies and teachings. We recognize that not all evangelical churches are the same. What we share is an expression of our own personal experiences and is not intended to paint a picture of the evangelical church as a whole. We hope that by joining us, you are able to reflect on and unpack your own experiences growing up in the church as well. Thanks for listening. Hi, listeners. This is a content warning. Today, we are talking about purity culture and rape culture. Amanda and I and our guests will be describing stories of sexual assault. If that is a subject you find triggering, please skip this episode. If you find this topic itself triggering, please find and talk to a licensed therapist online or in your area. As always, thanks for listening. Cool. Hey, Christina, how's it going? It is going. How's the uh, snack? What are you snacking on? Mm. It's these things that I found at Trader Joe's. So I I tried being keto for a hot second. It's unsustainable and I don't believe in diet culture anymore at all <laughs> for any reason. But they're called keto fudge bites and I got them because they said fudge bites. Um, and I can also... I don't like things that are super sweet. Like I actually really hate fudge, but when something has the label keto on it, I know it's not going to be super sweet. So I was like, oh, not super sweet fudge bites. Um, So I keep a bag of these in my desk at work. So if I get hungry when I can't get away from my computer to go get a snack, I just eat one. And it's like literally like protein powder, chocolate chips, almond powder. I don't know. They taste great. But there you go. That's what I'm snacking on. They taste good. What about you? What are you snacking on or drinking? Oh, well, I just finished my tea. Actually, it was a um, just like a green tea with uh, ginger in it, which is surprising because I hate ginger, which is also surprising because I mm-hmm. um, with just like a little bit of honey in it. I don't think I'm getting sick or anything, but that just sounded good. And I already had some chai Ooh, today, yeah. so I can usually only have like one glass of black tea and then one green tea and then i'm usually caffeined out for the rest of the day mm-hmm. that sounds and, uh, really good i love a good green tea me too this one was really good and then um if i want any more tea today it's gonna be herbal uh mm-hmm. but i'm glad i got enough caffeine in me because my buddy and some of his friends have agreed to play among us tonight so <laughs> it'll be my first time oh, playing my- this game but I'm so excited. Did you, did you see the AOC played? Yeah. One of um one of my other bridesmaids played it with AOC last night. No way. Oh, my God. I'm so yeah. jealous. That is so cool. Yeah. I, I saw it on Snapchat. And I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> I love that she does that because it is such a good way to connect with the younger generation. And make her just seem more human. Because I don't know about you, but politicians have always seemed like these otherworldly creatures, almost alien. Honestly. And um, I credit that to the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror where they had actual aliens inhabit uh, inhabit the bodies of like 
Bill Clinton and someone he was running against. And then I also oh, wow. credit it to the fact that they're all like old white men, or at least the ones that I hear about half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I love that AOC has like has you've seen her play Animal Crossing. She uh, yes. she has she's played Among Us, and also like credit to Joe Biden because his team has made an Animal Crossing island. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that uh, our mu- our mutual friend sent this to us. I was so excited. <laughs> that was so cool. Um. But hello, everyone. Uh, we're trying to start this episode off with some levity because we know it is going to be uh, a tougher subject to talk about. But um, we are going to be talking about purity culture and um, including included in that is rape culture. So, again, we gave a content warning there. We will also give another warning before we go into the stories themselves. So if you want to skip that particular part of it you know when to skip. Um, But the first thing we're going to be talking about is um, our first memories of purity culture. And we actually do have some listener uh, input from this, which is amazing. We're so thankful to the people who have recorded and sent us their stuff because, oh my goodness, that was so cool to hear that. It's just very validating. And I'm sure, Amanda, you can back me up on this to hear that, you know, we're not alone in this. Yes, it was actually one of our listeners who mentioned that she would like to hear more about purity culture a couple weeks ago, or actually it might have been months ago. I don't know. Time, time is weird right now. I don't know how it passes. Recording these in advance. Well, that and also just like coronavirus is fucked with my time concept. Very true. Welcome to my life. How is it? How is it October twenty first already? I don't know. It'll be much later when this comes out, but wow. Yeah, so thank you so much to our listeners for sending in those clips. We appreciate you very much. Yes, so we are going to listen to those first, and then uh, Amanda and I are going to go ahead and um, add our own input in afterwards. Hi, guys. My name is Emily. I love the podcast. I've commented and retweeted and everything for all your stuff because I love it so much. But I grew up in an evangelical church in Montana, um, and it was all purity culture all the time. One of my strongest memories of when I first realized purity culture was not great was we got these necklaces from camp. They had like a Bible verse. It was just like a dog tag. And we kept them on all week, and then I kept mine on after because I wanted it to remind me of God. And then when, when we'd go play games or whatever at youth group, and we'd go play volleyball or dodgeball, I'd tuck them into my shirt so they wouldn't get in the way. And I remember a leader coming up to me and saying, either take them off or leave them outside your shirt. They're a distraction to boys, which was heartbreaking because I just wanted to be closer to God, and it was my worst memory ever. And I'm running out of time, but thanks for everything. Bye. So I think my experience with purity culture is different, slightly different than other people's because not only was my mom a Sunday school teacher for all of my life, but my dad worked as a pastor most of my life. And the understanding that I had was that I needed to cover up, that I needed to make sure that I was pure and that I was okay for men not to be tempted with my body and so I needed to basically dress like a nun but that didn't help when things certain things happened in my life 
I then felt and took on the shame that wasn't mine to take on. And it really didn't help to know that, like, I was being talked to by women saying, oh, you need to cover up your body. I'm like, yeah, but if you cover up your body and things still happen, then isn't that, like, on the man's side? So the amount of responsibility I had on making sure I was pure was heightened because of my dad and my mom being in the church and them being saying the same things over and over and over again. Ava, you need to cover up. Ava, you need to cover up. It's like, okay, well, me showing like a little bit of my arm or more leg than like because I'm wearing shorts isn't a bad thing. But it made the women have all this responsibility and made all the girls have this responsibility of saying, oh, well, if something happens to me, then it must have been my fault. Whereas even if you've covered up, you still get like put with the blame and like, oh, were you provoking them? It's like, well, no, I wasn't. But honestly, that's not the issue. What's being taught to the men is the issue. Like, then it makes me wonder, like, what in the world are the men, male species of the church being taught that as long as the women and the females of the church do what is necessary or what is deemed necessary in the eyes of the church, then they're free from any, in like, from any punishment, from any shame or judgment being placed on their role in the whole situations of everything is no, it's not. And like, there are certain things also that are allowed that men and male culture says, okay, you know what? That is okay for men to do that. But if women do that, no, that's not okay. And we're taught two completely different things. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in the boy conversation of purity and how to treat a woman and how to be in a relationship that's that's really cool again it just it's so cool to to it's not cool to hear that unfortunately these situations have happened to um these individuals who have been so kind to share their stories with us but it's validating to know that this is something that we need to talk about it's something that needs to be talked about and in order for there to be improvements so amanda i'll ask you what your first memory of purity culture was yeah so hmm, all i can think in are cliches and a lot of those cliches are the messages that i picked up in youth group or through sex ed in junior high and high school which was all very abstinence and religious driven and a lot of those messages were essentially hey girls you need to be virgins when you get married if you have intercourse with someone before you're married you are like a piece of chewed gum and nobody's going to want you or you are a piece of tape that is no longer sticky so you're going to have a hard time sticking to your spouse because you've stuck with so many other people um and that was like that's probably the first message that I remember hearing in like junior high is this sort of idea that like you are only meant to be with one person. Um, 
and only one person is meant to be with you. So you better keep your legs shut. Otherwise, you're going to um, physically like get pregnant or get an STD or you are going to like emotionally and spiritually essentially become um, like destitute and undesirable. Exactly. And I, I can't even tell you, I was white knuckling it when you use those analogies because I've heard those analogies too. Um where like you do something to something and you can no longer fix it or make it as it once was. So therefore, mm -hmm. do you want it anymore? No. And that is so, so stupid. And it's specifically hurtful to um, the female gender because it was usually almost always targeted at the women. Exactly. Um, or, or I don't see that's that's the thing where I'm I'm might be overstepping there because I can only speak from my perspective, and so everything was targeted at the women. But I do remember mm -hmm. also being in groups where that was done, and specifically hearing like ladies, you know, this, you know, like them being like, guys, would you want this? And yeah. the guys were all like, no. And then the, the you know, leader would look over at them and be like, see, ladies. The men yeah. don't want you. And it's like, what? I think, yeah. And I think that that also, so a lot of the texts that I read with my students, at least during like the first semester of each school year, deal with like early feminist theory and the idea that women are not property and have their own beliefs, opinions, personalities, and can make their own decisions. But we were reading Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing a couple months ago and a huge plot point of that play is that one of the female characters is accused of sleeping with somebody before she is married, like a couple days before her wedding. And her father and her fiance both completely disown her as a result of this. And then from that, we move into Jane Eyre, where it is expected for everybody who is somebody to get married and to become a housewife and to take care of a family. And it was absurd for a woman to not want that and to not jump on her first opportunity to get married and become a housewife. And just how like deeply ingrained a woman's worth is tied to her sexuality and also her um, virginity and relationship status. Like it's mind boggling, like how deeply it's ingrained, not just in history and not just in the church, but like, Sorry, not just in the church, but in history as well. Oh, absolutely. And I, I would almost say uh, childbearing comes into play there as well. Um, mm -hmm. Because I know the specific instance in history I can think about is, what is that, like Henry the Eighth? Was he the one that beheaded his wives? Oh, yeah. dude, I know nothing about British history. So I think it was Henry... Henry the Fifth. Henry the Eighth. No, I was right. It was Henry the Eighth. Oh, okay. Um, Henry the Fifth is specifically the Shakespeare play, but yes. Um, no. Oh. So Henry Henry the <laughs> Fifth um, is known for his six marriages that he had. Six marriages. Um, wow. And he was married to like Anne Boleyn, Catherine of Aragon, um, oh. and. Anne Boleyn, I remember, I believe she was the one who had a hard time. Um, yeah, she never fathered a son, which is what he was looking for. So the whole reason he, uh, he actually made it so the church, uh, quote unquote, allowed divorcing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so he could marry each of these wives and he eventually like had almost, if not all of them killed. Um, Anne Boleyn specifically was the one who I know was beheaded because she couldn't give him a son. She gave him a daughter um, who became um, Queen Elizabeth I. So, wow. yeah. So that childbearing comes into play there too because that specific moment in history i remember like a woman's worth was based on the child the child that she could give um and coming from like being a woman who me personally necessarily i know that i've really never had that maternal feeling towards a child um and that does not mean I hate children. That is far, far from it. I can make little goo-goo eyes at babies all day long. But in the Aww. end, I don't necessarily want one. Um, I can have the patience for a screaming two-year-old all day long. But that does not necessarily mean I want one. Um, and I remember I was sitting at work, actually. And I was telling my coworker, like, yeah, no, I, I really don't think I'm ever going to want kids. And I really got to kind of commend it to my first boyfriend because he was the one who first put that idea in my head. He was like, yeah, no, I don't think I ever want kids. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I do either. And it wasn't because he said it. It's just I had never thought that way before. Yeah. I honestly thought that that was going to be my role. I was going to have a kid. You know, that's always how the Mm -hmm. thought was. I was going to have a kid. And he was the first one to say, like, no, you don't have to have kids. I was like, oh, my God, you're right. So, um, go ahead. I, yeah. And I think that that's honestly such a part of purity culture that actually people don't think about very often is that for so many people in so many churches, the entire purpose of sex is procreation. Mm -hmm. And if you think about sex in that form, of course, it is also like ingrained into members of those churches that like if you are a woman of child's bearing age, like you better be bearing some children, which is entirely no. Like that is not the only purpose of a woman's body. Can it do that? Absolutely. But that is not the purpose of a woman's body. Just like a woman is not a piece of property to be purchased through marriage um, and a dowry. And it, or to be, I don't know, judged for having had sex before getting married. Right. 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 I agree. And when I was sitting at work this day, um, I remember saying that. And I remember my coworkers look at me and going, oh, you'll change your mind. Oh, you'll change your uh, mind. Mm-hmm. You'll meet somebody and you'll want to have kids. And I'm like, no. And my job right now requires me to travel so much and be away from home so much. I just I can't mm-hmm. even think of possibly doing that in any time soon. Yeah. So um, know that if you're listening to this and you do not want to have kids, we hear you. We see you and we're validating your feelings right now. It is OK to not want to have kids, male or female. But I will say that female, it has looked more down upon because you have the quote unquote reproductive parts to make the baby. You know, like all guys have to do is <laughs> stick it in you and get jiggy with it and then that's pretty much it that being said how was sex defined when you were growing up just like that they stick it in you and they get jiggy i'm just kidding um oh my god (laughs) no and i think i i think i mentioned this in a previous episode when i asked about sex when i was younger my mom was very 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 honest with me and i really appreciate her for that she always told me she she treated me like an adult in the way that she told me how things were. She was straight with me. 
Um, so she mm-hmm. told me what sex was. And I will add a caveat here that she specifically said that sex is to be between a husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. Specifically. Like, not between, yeah. you know, boyfriend, girlfriend. Not between, you know, like, two friends. A husband and a wife. I remember those words specifically. Meanwhile, I was eight at the time, and the whole situation kind of grossed me out, and I was like, deuces. So, um... <laughs> What a yeah, time. That, that's the way sex was defined to me growing up. And anytime it was mentioned in the church, um, when I was younger, it was usually met with like little giggles, like, <laughs> and then, you know, that's just kind of how it was. People kind of laughed at it and didn't really think about it in a serious way. Um, and I even remember there were jokes made in like the, the big church is what I always called it, just like the adult service mm-hmm. where um, sex, you know, was... You know, like the pastor would make a joke like, yeah, and this 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 kid was telling me like, oh, I think I'm ready to have sex. And you would hear like little gasps from the audience. Ooh. And it's just like, really? Really? Okay. Um, now, they never they never called anyone out. No, they never did that. But, you know, they would just mm-hmm. tell these stories that might not have even happened. And those were the reactions. Yeah. The so sex had this very like, hush, hush. Don't talk about it kind of vibe to it and if you're going to talk about Mm -hmm. it you can only talk about it with your future spouse and if you're a woman that's going to be a man and if you're a man that's going to be a woman yeah I think that that's really similar to my um experience growing up I remember specifically in high school one of my classmates asked our creative writing teacher how she defined sex and she took one hand and made like an O and took the other hand and made a finger and said penis vagina and then like inserted one in the other and she's like that's how I define sex and we were all just kind of like did you really just do that and she just kind of like deadpan turned and went back to like entering grades in the grade book and man that lady is such a badass I love her but very much like growing up sex was defined as like penis vagina and any other activity like anal sex or oral sex or um I want to say hand sex, but that's not the right. I don't know. Mutual masturbation. Is that the term for that? I don't know. Anything other than intercourse was not defined as sex. It was described as like sexual activity, which was, of course, frowned upon because you should only do things like that if you are in a marriage relationship. But I think that that's a spot where the church really fails because like so much, I remember so many questions and so many discussions occurring around the idea of like, well, how far is too far? And some people would say like, oh, I'm not going to kiss my partner until our wedding day. And other people were like very shameless, like, oh yeah, like I hooked up with my partner underneath the bleachers. Um, And this kind of like idea of like, how far is too far? And that like sort of discernment being left up to high schoolers who have no concept of sex education, protection, birth control, coercion, rape, and other topics. Because really, I don't know about your experience, but like none of those things were ever really talked about um, in my church or school experience. And a lot of those things are like so entwined with human sexuality as well as unhealthy relationships. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course they are. And of course they're not talked about because the less they're talked about, unfortunately, the less they need to be quote unquote fixed. If you don't talk about it, they Mm -hmm. don't exist. 
Um, <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> which is crazy because I know more people who have been sexually assaulted, sexually abused, um, whatever you want to call it. I know more people who have than people who haven't. And yeah, to be honest, that is how I have bonded with quite a few of my friends, actually, is mm -hmm. they say something along those lines. I'm like, oh, no, me too. And they're like, really? It's like, yeah, really? Yeah. And I, I would have no idea about them and they would have no idea about me. And it's become almost like a topic of bonding. Yeah. And well, there are some stats out there that say one in five women have been sexually assaulted. Other stats out there say it's as low as one in or as high as one in three. And I think there's also like a level to it. That's also in my own like trauma therapy. I have definitely realized like a deep link between purity culture and rape culture and like a fear of talking about things that happen in like sexual abuse because so much of a woman's worth according to like church bodies and also culture is based on her sexual history oh, and so i think that it. so many i i wouldn't be surprised if it was honestly like one in every two women has been sexually assaulted or abused in her life because it's such a topic that I feel like a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about or are almost afraid or unable to recognize because the people that they could theoretically and hopefully go and talk to about it are not going to be receptive or welcoming or are going to victim blame. And that leaves a lot of people in the dark with their own traumas. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of these people probably don't even realize that uh, it was rape because I know specifically my experience with it. I didn't even know that I had been raped until two years later when the Me Too movement came around and I was telling someone about my experience of what happened to me. And they looked at me and they said, you know, you know, Christina, that's rape. You know that, right? And I just was completely shocked because I was like, oh, no, that couldn't possibly happen to me. Like, um, so it's something that people might not even know about. Um, I know that we're going to get into that, though, here in a second. But I, I mm -hmm. really want to touch on this subject here because this is something that's so interesting to me because it was always shamed so much in the church. The idea of this was so, so shamed. And the idea of female, the female part of it was never even discussed. Do so tell. What view were you taught on masturbation? Oh my gosh. That was like the type of question. So like whenever we did sex ed stuff in youth group, we would have like little index cards we could write our questions on. And I shit you not, like every time we would have someone come in and talk about it, or we would do like a session or like a series on sex ed, somebody would ask like, what does the Bible say about masturbation? And like... <laughs> The answer was never straightforward. Like it would always, the answers would always dodge the question, which to be fair, the Bible doesn't say much about masturbation at all. Like I know somewhere in the Old Testament, it says something about like a man shall not spill his seed or whatever. But like, again, historical context, God was trying to get the Israelites to, you know, multiply. So like, yeah, that makes sense in that time frame. Like you're going to have a hard time getting somebody pregnant if you're wasting your semen on your hand. Yeah, um, don't don't <laughs> waste your little swimmers, gentlemen. <laughs> but that being said, like there really wasn't anything taught about masturbation 
in youth group or in my high school's like sex ed. It was very much like a question of like, well, if you're masturbating, like, are you lusting after someone while you do that? Which like, I mean, that's, that's a question. And that's a question that definitely could like lead someone to making their own decision about that. But it was never really answered for either men or women. But also like I would like to point out that sex ed in high school never taught me what the clitoris was. And my high school boyfriend taught me what that was. So like I got better sex ed from MTV and my high school ex-boyfriend than I did from actual sex ed lessons. So yeah, I wasn't taught any of you. I was taught, go figure it out for yourself. I mean, I was taught nothing about it too. And um, I'm fully okay with being really, really open on this podcast. Um, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 21 with my first boyfriend. And then I didn't even masturbate until after that. Like that was my first interaction with it. So because of like growing up in the church i just always thought that that was like something you just did not do mm-hmm. like um i had had like interactions with pornography of course i think that everyone has i haven't stop it you're a liar I shit you not no i shit you not i've never watched porn in my entire life like hand to god really i've never done it yeah so like actually oh my god it mm, my college roommates at private christian college that i went to for one year on valentine's day they were like have you ever watched porn and i was like no and they were like we should totally all watch porn together and i was like absolutely not and they were like why like are you afraid of penises and i'm like no like i just don't want to watch it and then like to deflect that i ended up telling them that i was no longer a virgin and that's how we changed paths that way which i wasn't even like ready i wasn't even ready to talk to them about that but like literally i was like i don't want to do this like that's something that's always i don't know i still like i am a very sex positive person and at the same time i have zero interest in watching other humans have sex like it's just not something i want to do no, that's really interesting. I'm 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 kind of glad that you haven't because you bring a really interesting perspective to it. Um and I'm glad that you didn't do it in the group setting because I will tell you right now, usually when people want to watch porn in a group setting, they find the most outrageous one possible. Oh god. <laughs> and that's the one they want to watch. This is coming from a gal who I didn't watch it, thank God, but walked in on a group of um <laughs> like random friends of mine from college who I don't even think I still talk to watching um SpongeBob <laughs> porn. So oh god. Oh uh not animated. Oh not, uh, not animated. Not animated. Uh, I don't want to yeah. imagine these things. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't want to um, I get okay, I need to give a caveat technically confession time. I might have accidentally watched porn once because we were it was at a friend's birthday party and we were talking about like animated characters that we thought were hot, which like weird topic, not even going any deeper in that. And somebody pulled up like a gif of a dragon fucking a car, which like, I don't even know if I would call that porn, but it was definitely lewd and gross. <laughs> Anyways. That's so yeah. interesting. Of all was- the porn you could have possibly watched, that is the one. I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, I will tell um, you who that was later. Okay, okay. Uh, I I would love to know. Um, 
But I think that that's kind of what introduced me to, um, and just like that interaction with it is like, uh, I, I am a firm believer that porn can definitely hinder your sex drive. Um, it can help you mm-hmm. because it, you can kind of figure out what you're into. Um, and I'm all about supporting um, sex workers. And I highly recommend if you are going to watch porn, really do some research on where you're getting your porn from. Try and uh, get it from uh, companies that actually support their workers and not ones that just rip them off. Yes. Um, Ethical porn. 100%. Ethical porn. Absolutely. Um, and it's interesting because you can find out what drives you, but I, I, I will also say that it can also hinder you because, um, you, you just, you just get these ideas in your head and, and, and the way I've learned things about sex is sex is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be something that, you know, you can laugh at yourselves during, you can have a good time during it. And that's mm-hmm. supposed to be the thing is, is, is sex is supposed to be fun. And unfortunately in the church, um, it was very much so like this this act that you know the really the only reason to do it was to have a baby mm-hmm. and so that's why masturbation never made any sense but um going back into the plug that i made last week adamandeve.com y'all <laughs> oh my god seriously no seriously because um I, I seriously just started looking at things and that's how I was able to start finding out, wow, people are, there's something for that. There's something for that. There's something, oh, that does that. And it was really, really interesting. Um, like there is a, um, like a toy on there that simulates for women, basically oral sex, huh. the, the sensation of it. So like there are things like that. So, you know, if your partner isn't comfortable doing that for you you can have this and and then it will you know it it in knowing and knowing your body Mm -hmm. i think that it can help you know yourself for sex a lot better so Mm -hmm. i am all for Mm -hmm. masturbation and i think that um I think that it's a tough subject for the church to to cover i think that they wouldn't even know what to do with it what about you (laughs) I agree. I think that it's definitely a topic where they don't know what to do with it because it's not necessarily something that is covered in the Bible. And also, I feel like so often masturbation is tied with porn. And I think you made a really good point there that if you do choose to watch porn, like make sure that your sources are ethical. Make sure that the people in it are getting paid. Make sure that they are in it because they consent to be in it. And I think that that close association between masturbation and porn is probably what um, one of the many things that keeps the church from talking about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I I absolutely agree. Uh, When I was younger, I can't remember the brand, um, but they had kind of like very loud shirts. Um, You know, you know, that brand that's out now that people wear their shirts pretty much as a joke. And it says like virginity rocks. No, that's not virginity rocks is a YouTuber. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, one of my students. I am with this generation. Dude, one of my students had a virginity rocks lanyard, and I literally looked at it and was like, "Hey, did you get that at church camp?" And he just started <laughs> laughing at me, and I was like, "What have I done?" He's like, "No, it's a YouTuber," and I was like, "Kid, oh I'm, so, I'm so glad that you're a patient student who I have taught for two <laughs> years, and now I coach." Oh my god! Like, yeah, oh that's my a YouTuber. God. 
Oh, well, thank the God children you knew. Keep me young. I, I was just going to go on this whole, uh, like, keep on trucking on with the thought that it was just like something that was supposed to be a joke. But it is kind of nope. supposed to be a joke, right? Yes. Yes. It's supposed to be a joke, but it's like from a YouTuber. Okay. Gotcha. But it's yeah. not meant to be taken literally like virginity. Correct. Rocks. Now, as far as I understand, yes. Okay. Because there was a brand back back in my day. Um, there was a I brand. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. And there was a shirt that I used to have. And I believe, oh, my God, if I can find it, you guys, in my mom's closet, I will take a photo of it and send it to Amanda and see if we can link it somewhere. But I know that the one that I had said pornography is for posers. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it actually like they had shirts that said like uh stuff, stuff about virginity too, like and, and they meant it seriously because on the back of those shirts were Bible verses. Oh god. Yeah. And I am literally thinking to myself, like cringing at the idea that I ever wore one of those shirts. Um but is is that the link to it? Yeah, it's not really pasting correctly, but yeah, that's the link. Okay, okay, let me see. See if it'll let me open this. The t-shirt brand is Caruso, for those of you who are wondering. Oh, okay, this is the brand that you were talking about that you thought I was talking about. Yes. Okay, let me see. Um, Let's see. It's for posers. I don't know if they have it anymore, but... Oh, I'm sure they don't. Um t-shirt for the record we're looking at the website right now and the sub imprints of this caruso t-shirt brand are grace and truth which is assumedly for women cherished girl which is probably for girls hold fast with an american flag on it which is probably for nra card carrying trump supporters and then something called faith gear which is probably the most gender neutral of their apparel I fell down a little rabbit hole here and I found a shirt on Etsy that says white, straight, Republican, and male. How else can I piss you off today? Oh, I I'm hate done. it. I know. Me oh, too. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. They have a hat that has a cactus on it that says stick with Jesus. <laughs> Don't you I'm dare. Done. I'm done. I'm going <laughs> to stop looking at this website. I'm done. I am not some Midwestern mom who listens to Joel Osteen. Oh, thank oh. God for that. Um, but I I know that you were kind of going into the subject and I, I derailed us a little bit to talk about um, masturbation. But in your opinion, what does purity culture, you, you kind of said yes, but how in, it, how in your eyes does purity culture contribute to rape culture? Yeah. So can I like share my trauma stories and kind of like unpack those? Because those yes. are like super deeply tied in with this question. Yes. So fair warning, listeners, we are going to start talking about personal experiences with rape and sexual assault. So please, yep. if you are not comfortable with it, um, we will try and put a timestamp in or uh, I'm the one editing this episode. So I might be able to just like put a little clip in here and say skip to this point. That would um, be great. So you know when to come back into the episode, but we are going to be talking about some heavy stuff. So just yeah. another warning. If you're comfortable, go right ahead. But if you're not, go ahead and skip to this time that I will insert in here. Yeah. Read the show notes. So, mm -hmm. okay. So I have like two trauma stories that I want to unpack. One sort of came about 
during the Me Too movement, or one I became like aware of during the Me Too movement, and the other I became acutely aware of at that marriage conference your parents bought us tickets to, which made for a real sick date night. Um, <laughs> woof. So the first thing I want to share is um, I went to an Under Oath concert a couple years back. It was like their reunion tour. And I went with one of my male friends who I trust and admire. Um, and I was a little bit hesitant about going because I actually had an ex who was going to be at the show that I never really ever wanted to see again. So I kind of like told my male friend like, hey, dude, like just a heads up. If we see this person, like I'm going to want to move really far away from them. Um, my friend was like, OK, yeah, that's totally good. Like I'll separate you. So like plot twist, my ex was not the problem at all. But um, my friend and I like weaseled our way to the front of this music venue because it's under oath and we fucking love a good under oath show. And my friend was like kind of catty corner behind me to my right and probably like halfway into um, the first album of the show because they were playing two albums back to back like front to end. Um, I felt this guy like press up against me. And at first I was like, okay, like this is a totally sold out concert. People are like jumping around. Like there's like crowd surfers, like having somebody push up behind me is not weird. And then like next thing I felt a hand like slide, like try to slide into my pants, but get like stuck at my waistband. And I was like, what the actual fuck? And I turn around and there's this dude standing there with this like grin on his face. And I like turn around and look at him and I'm like, no, please stop. And I turn back and like continue enjoying the concert. And like 20 seconds later, he like tries to stick his hand on my pants again. And like, I've let me tell you, I've never been so grateful for high waisted shorts before because like bro had a long distance to go before he got anywhere. But like this dude kept doing this. And so like the second time I turned around, I like pushed him and I'm like, hey man, like quit it. And then he like took like maybe two or three steps to like his left so he like moved away from me and he started bothering another girl and she did the same thing turn around and then he came back to me again and like in that moment I know I've addressed like fight flight and freeze responses before I've always like thought of myself that I would have like the fight response if that were to happen and it was in that moment that I realized that no I definitely had a fr I have a freeze response like when my body is put under that stress, I don't, I'm not going to fight. There's nowhere to run. I can't flight because it's a fucking packed music venue. And so my body went straight into freeze mode. And this dude like started to put his hands down my shorts again. And I turned around, I'm like, Hey, and that's when my male friend who was with me, like grabbed him and was like, is this dude bothering you? And I'm like, yeah, like he's trying to stick his hand down my pants. And the other girl like nearby, like turns and she's like me too. And so my friend grabbed this guy and another dude like grabbed this guy who was like assaulting us and pulled him out of the music venue and took him to security and security kicked him out of the venue. So there was like a completion that came to that. And like at the end of the day, do I wish I had decked him in the face? Absolutely. Do I wish I had kicked him in the balls? Fuck yeah. Do I wish that I could have like totally like castrated him? Hell to the yeah. Like I have like a deep fight response within me. But in that moment, my body froze because mm -hmm. deep down inside my, I think it's like your Paralympic system knew that that was going to be the best way to just get out of that situation alive and okay. Mm -hmm. So when I went to therapy 
to discuss um, some rape and sexual abuse from a relationship in the past, I told my therapist that story and I said, hey, like I have a couple sexual traumas and like here is this one, but I don't know why I'm able to tell this story of being groped at a concert, but I can't tell this other story about being like sexually assaulted and raped in a relationship without completely breaking down into tears. And my therapist explained to me the idea of completion, that when I was groped in that concert venue, there was a completion to it. At the end of it, I was safe. My friend and another random stranger in the security team at that venue removed him from the premises and I was safe. Whereas um, spending an extended amount of time in like a sexually coercive relationship with instances of rape, I did not have a completion or resolution. I was stuck in freeze mode for a very long time. And that was, um, that was the moment when I really realized through working through that trauma is when I really realized just how deeply ingrained purity culture is with rape culture, because the relationship that I was in, I didn't know that, saying no to sex and then having somebody force himself on me was rape. I never understood that. Like I always thought, and it was like kind of taught that rape was something that happens to girls in alleyways who wear short skirts and are threatened by guys with knives. It was never taught to me in church or in sex ed in school that rape can happen in a relationship with somebody who you think you love and trust when you say no and he says, come on, it'll just be for a little bit. And you say no. And he says, you'll enjoy it. And then he puts you face down on your bed and does it to you anyways, even though you've said no. Mm-hmm. So that's really, um, yeah, that's really when I, the moment when I realized that like rape culture is so deeply embedded into purity culture because like at the end of the day after that rape and after other instances of like crying and like telling my boyfriend I didn't want to sleep with him anymore and him saying like no like it's fine like you're just saying that because the church taught you that sex is bad and me saying like no like I genuinely don't want to have sex with you anymore and him just like completely gaslighting me and discounting that it was in those moments when I realized wait or at least I felt like I couldn't go and tell anybody what was happening because I felt like anybody I told would be like, oh, you're not a virgin anymore. Like you're worthless. And they would completely overlook the rape and the trauma and the coercion. You'd hear like, oh, but they're your, you know, they're your partner. They're your boyfriend or where you put yourself in that situation or. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you shouldn't have been in the bedroom with him. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So I think that that's where I see like a really deep tie between purity culture and rape cultures that like after for somebody who grew up in purity culture, after being raped and being manipulated and being in like a sexually coercive relationship not having anywhere to turn to and safely express that um, was really fucking hard. And then ultimately that all came to a head at a marriage conference um, where we talked about sex for like a solid hour and a half. And then there were like some reflective journaling prompts that made me completely come unhinged and just have like a flood of painful memories. And that's why I went to therapy in the first place. 
And we love therapy on those podcasts. Yes, we do. We love therapy. I can agree with you wholeheartedly, Amanda, when you said that, um, oh, whoa, uh, sorry, my brain, my train of thought completely derailed. Um, but there was something you said that stuck with me about this. Um and I'm gonna I'm gonna go into my story here because I, I think that it'll um, maybe spark it. And if you hear it, just try mm-hmm. and stop me and and just um, let me know. But yeah. I, I'll go ahead and share my trauma uh, as well. And this kind of spans over a few years. Um, when I was in college, this is right after my first long term relationship ended. It didn't end well uh, on my end. It, it was all on my end. I can look back on it now and go, geez, I'm glad he <laughs> ended things. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And he he's a good guy. I want all the best for him. Um, and he's doing really well right now. So kudos to him. Uh, we just it just wasn't going to work, which was fine. He could see that I couldn't. So it ended bad on my part. So my first thing that I did was instantly hopped on those dating apps because why not mm-hmm. um so I hopped on tinder of course and had a few like dates here and there and most of them didn't really go anywhere um but this guy um seemed super interested in me and so I hung out with him for a bit and we went back to his place and I was totally cool with having sex with him um and things were going really well until the point where um, we were in the bedroom. I was like, hey, um, you need to wear a condom because I don't know your sexual history. I don't know anything about you as far as that goes. And also, I don't want to have a kid. And I said that to him and he put one on very like grudgingly. He gave the whole line that, you know, oh, it doesn't feel the same with a condom on blah, wow. blah, 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 blah. OK, so he puts it on and then everything's going okay but i see at one point he takes it off and i'm like dude i i don't i don't want to have sex with you if you're not going to keep your condom on like if you're not going to keep that on we're not having sex come on come on come on he just kept saying like come on come on and he kept trying to like slide it in and i just kept saying no 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 and to the point where like this guy was like six foot four, six foot five for the listeners out there. I'm five, five. He's almost an entire foot taller than me. And he was built. So yes. I was scared at that point. If I kept saying no, what was going to happen to me? And I knew pretty well that he could he could overtake me if he wanted to. So I think that I I went into your mindset that that you said, Amanda, which was I have a very strong fight response inside of me like i should have need him in the in the balls so he could never have kids ever mm-hmm. like so much so that they like retracted and went up inside of him for the rest of his life amen and um just gotten out of that situation but i didn't uh my response was also freeze because i knew that if i froze he would get what he wanted and this would be over mm-hmm. um then and that's exactly what happened and uh, I kind of, re- kind of, I, I remember things that happened um, the next morning. I remember waking up and he was at his desk and he cracked a joke. He called me uh, a condescending name. Oh. And he, well, he, he basically said that he was going to change my name in his phone to blue balls because I didn't get him off the night prior. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So... Yeah, no. And so I but in my in my head, all the this is none of this is registering as rape. None of this is registering because 
purity culture taught me that I put myself in that situation. Mm. I put myself there. So it never registered to me as rape. Um, fast forward two years and uh, maybe about three years, actually, because this happened back in 2015. Mm-hmm. I think the Me Too movement happened three years ago. So 2017. Oh, so about, <laughs> you know, about two years later. Um, two years later, the Me Too movement is rolling around. And like I said before, I described the situation to a friend of mine at the time and they looked at me and said, you know, that's rape, right? And my heart just sank mm-hmm. because, oh, this is this is what it was. This is what I was resonating with you with. I knew I knew I would remember it um, when you mentioned that rape doesn't happen between someone that you show interest in. Rape mm-hmm. happens in dark alleyways to for lack of a better term, unfortunately, the ones you usually see on media are, you know, sex workers. Mm. Um, and and that just instills this mindset that they are, quote unquote, asking for it. And no one is fucking asking for this to happen to them. Amen. Amen to that. No one is fucking asking for this to happen to them. No one. Absolutely no one. You get that mindset out of your head right now. If this has happened to you, we are telling you right now, you did not ask for this to happen to you. And um, so I was coming to terms with that at the time. And Mm -hmm. then um, spring of the next year, I uh, was going to get put back back on birth control um, just because I hadn't been on it in a while. So I went in for uh, a physical. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember I was seeing somebody at the time and he and I had been intimate and I went to the pharmacy to go pick up my prescription for my birth control. And the pharmacist was like, oh, you have two prescriptions. And I was like, uh, okay. So I got the one for my birth control and I got one for um, an antibiotic. And I was like, what the hell? And me being the anxiety riddled person that I am, mm-hmm. <laughs> Googled what that medication was for. Oh. And it was used to treat an STI. No. Oh. And I had no idea that I had had one because it was one of the ones that remains dormant. And you probably can't see any symptoms of it. But he, my rapist, was the only one that I ever had uh, unprotected sex with. Dang. So it felt like almost three years later, I was being raped all over again. Because now he has taken something from me again. Um, and I'll, I'll touch on what I mean by that here in just a second. But the mm-hmm. thing that sucked about that situation is that I had to tell my sexual partner at the time, like, hey, I just found this out. I've already filled a prescription for you. I will pay for it Um, here. You don't even have to worry about it. Like, just take these and you'll be fine. And this person had the audacity to look at me and go, gee, we haven't even known each other for over a month and you already give me an STI. Oh my God. Even though, I, even though I had told him at that point what had happened to me, I told him, I told them my trauma yeah. and they had the nerve to blame it on me, which to me resonates with victim blaming. Yeah, absolutely. It me because I was really interested in this guy. Um, turns out he's just a dick anyway, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, what I was going to say here um, is that the whole topic, there, there's a very, very dirty and disgusting connotation with STIs. 
Yes. And I think that that needs to end. I think that that is also tied so deeply into purity culture because I feel like kind of like how being like trying to get people to quote unquote be saved like one Mm -hmm. of the tactics to do that is to like scare them away from hell i feel like so much of the church and like abstinence only sex education hinges on trying to scare people out of having sex and then if you somehow get an sti it is because you are morally inferior and you are doing something that you weren't supposed to be doing and like god is punishing you or some bullshit like that so i completely agree like the stigma behind having an sti needs to fucking quit exactly because there are quite a few of them like the one i had that you treat it with some antibiotics and you're fine yeah you're absolutely fine and you might not even know that you have one until Mm -hmm. you go and get checked out so number one do get go to your local planned parenthood if you don't have any insurance and just get um an sti get a uh, just a well woman exam or uh, just a wellness exam and get that all checked out because that's Before the best thing after you can do for you. Every new partner. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then um, really try and educate yourself on on what these STIs are. Uh, I like to call them STIs because they're infections. They're not really diseases. They're they're more mm-hmm. so infections. I think that's the more quote unquote PC term for them. That is the scientifically correct term. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, really educate yourself on them because I know me personally, I would always look at people who might have been honest and said like, oh, yeah, you know, I had this and I, you know, or I have this and this is just something that I deal with and being like, oh, my gosh, they're unclean. And I hate that. Mm. I hate that I used to I used to think of think that way, because now that I have had one, you know, it's scary for me to talk about that with um with partners because mm-hmm. It's just something that is so hush-hush. People just aren't educated on it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, people think that, oh, my God, do you still have it? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for sex? You know, And it's mm-hmm. just like, calm down. Educate yourself. It's the best thing you can possibly do for yourself and for future partners. Educate yourself and be up to date and getting yourself checked out. Yes. Agree. And agree, use your local agree. Use your Planned Parenthood. Support your local Planned Parenthood. Even if you have insurance, you can still go there and support them with your money and your copays. Yes. Yes. Um, and I know that you mentioned how you're recovering from your trauma um, by doing the by you know coming to I guess you could say completion with with therapy, and you're you're saying that. You know, yeah. you feel like you've gotten what you needed from your therapist right now. Yeah. So there's a couple things um, within therapy specifically. I, my therapist and I have been doing a lot of body work, which is essentially sitting, talking about like not traumatic experiences in a whole, but sitting and like listening to my body and seeing what my body needs. Like, for example, and this works with other things. For example, I've been really stressed about work lately. So I'll talk about that. Then we'll sit. I'll take some deep breaths. I'll listen to my body and I'll notice like what my body needs. And like, for example, a couple sessions ago, I was like, oh, my legs, my legs need to move. My legs need to feel like they're moving. And so we did um, like a body activity where my therapist like held a pillow on my legs and I tried like lifting them slowly. So it's kind of like resistance training. And through focusing on that and like 
doing that muscle work, it helped me like release some of my stress. So one of the ways that I'm recovering from like both like big T traumas and like little T trauma slash frustrations is a lot of physical movement, um, which in some ways is like working out. Like I've still been going to the gym a lot lately and been doing a lot of power walking on inclines, which also like gives me that repetitive, like lifting my legs, slogging through mud feeling. Um, and also actually I have an, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Would you like to have a dance party sometime? Oh my gosh. Yes. I will say, give me at least the, the two week quarantine period. Yes. After you've quarantined for two weeks. Um, because I was, I was around a big crowd this past weekend. So Absolutely. I will quarantine for the next two weeks. And then if I am still feeling good after that, no signs of anything. Yes, I will very much have a dance party. If not, we can always do virtual. Yes, because I've been actually reading a lot. Um, I've been reading a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And also I've been still been reading Come As You Are. And both of those talk about like physical joyfulness and joyful movements as recovery and dancing is supposed to be a really great way to kind of like shake yourself out of that freeze mode or shake yourself out of the fight and flight mode so Mm -hmm. yeah yes yes absolutely absolutely which is good because um coming from two people who both have used the freeze you know both have gone to freeze um before flight or flight um we know that that is one that is not talked about enough Mm -hmm. i think that it's one that's coming to light more often now mm -hmm. and i think that one of the reasons why it's not talked about as much is because it's almost like tied in with victim blaming like generally i was reading it might have been in the body keeps the score it might have been in another book but generally like fight and flight are male responses because they are either like physiologically or like socially conditioned to be fighters or runners whereas women are taught to be quiet and be discreet and be still um and i think that like because of that there's not very much focus on the freeze response and i think also the freeze response is often tied in with victim blaming like every time somebody um shares a story about an assault or a trauma and people ask, well, why didn't you do something? I don't think people are aware of it, but that's a form of victim blaming because literally like our brains take over and choose what our response is. Like just because a woman freezes doesn't mean she wants it. So Exactly. Because if she does not say yes or cannot say yes. And if that yes no is not consent. enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, know that you, I don't know, I always felt like I chose, like I was weak because of how I responded to it. Oh, also, it didn't help that one of my family members, or one of my, um, relatives, I should say, not like, well, family member, whatever, um, (laughs) call them what you want. They're related to me by blood. Um, Are they related to me too? Never mind. You don't have to answer that. Okay. I did anyway. Um, well, I yeah, basically asked me, you know, after I was telling what had happened to me, asked me if I had been drinking. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Asked me if I had been drinking. I was like, does it matter? I said no. And that shut them up very quickly. Yeah. 
it's all the but, worse it's all the worse if you had been drinking because then that dude definitely shouldn't have tried it on you exactly like exactly. that doesn't reflect that doesn't reflect poorly on you that reflects poorly on him for taking extra advantage of you um yeah no so i was just like this is this is interesting so and not interesting but i mean it kind of sad but i think that you know those need to not be the questions that we come straight out the gate with because i know that i mean i always am really slow to react so like Mm -hmm. i remember when you came over when you had that like really really intense therapy session oh the breakdown night yes many breakdown nights (laughs) and you needed something to just empathize with you Mm -hmm. and so you told your story and i told mine and i think that that sometimes is the best way Mm -hmm. to talk to someone who has been through that because it's it lets them know that they're not alone Mm -hmm. um they've never been alone and um i don't know if you saw my post on facebook but funny enough three years ago today I made a me too status on Facebook. I have been not getting on Facebook unless absolutely necessary. So I didn't that's, see it. That's fair. No, you are. That is totally fair. Um, I shared that and I was like, there are more of us than you think. Mm-hmm. You need to hear our stories. You can no longer ignore that. This is a problem basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I just thought that that was fitting. But yes, to our listeners out there, um, I know that this was a hard episode to to go through. And it's probably not one I'd recommend listening to on the drive to work. Maybe the one from work. Um, but know that you are not alone in the the battle that is internal and external against purity culture and rape culture. And um you're not alone in in your experience because like i was saying i know more people who have than haven't yeah and that's and that's the really sad aspect of it but unfortunately that's that's how it is but i um is there anything else that you want to talk about amanda before something that i might have missed before we go into our recommendations um fuck purity culture and fuck the patriarchy Fuck purity culture. Fuck the patriarchy. Fuck your worth is not tied up. Also, virginity your- is a social construct. It is. So it is. Just adding that I- in there. I know I mentioned like losing my virginity, and like I know we mentioned that, but also like I fully recognize that virginity is a social construct. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I want to say like, you know, your worth is not defined by your body whether that's your mm-hmm. your body image mm-hmm. or whether you know it's your body count whatever the hell it is your worth is not determined by that who you are as a person means so much more to this world than those stupid fuck all con- constructs yeah yeah absolutely so yeah that's that's what i have to say there but i i I'm done beating a dead horse. <laughs> I can um, keep beating this horse. I'm going to beat oh. it until candy comes out of it. What do you mean this isn't a pinata? <laughs> what do you mean this isn't a pinata? Condoms are going to come out of it. 
I hope so. I hope the church gets with the program, stops equating a woman's worth with her virginity, stops saying that this also relates back to last episode. I hope the church quits it with this heteronormative bullshit and starts actually giving like real sex ed instead of purity culture shit to its youth group members. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, And I think that uh, the church, I would love to see the church become more sex positive. Yes. Rather than saying that sex is like this shameful thing and like hushing it down until Mm -hmm. you hit the marriage courses when you're an adult and you're married. Um, And then they talk about sex like there's no tomorrow. Yep. 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 Yeah. So, yeah. What do you recommend this week? So I am recommending something that really helped me when I was starting to come to terms with what happened to me in college, um, my sexual assault, and it is uh, Better Help Therapy. It's an online therapy. It's very, very popular. A lot of people, um, a lot of like some influencers I know use it and stuff like that. So um, you can just Google Better Help Therapy. Um, I use it kind of like as a stepping stool to where I'm at now with, with my therapist. And, but these are actual like board certified therapists. Um, the one that I had specified in um, relationships and sexual trauma. So um, you can, you give like a little bit of a description about yourself and then the app matches you with someone who they think will benefit you the most. Oh, so it's really interesting. I I always recommend it. It is it is a bit pricey. I recommend it as a stepping stool to you know get you on the right track. And then I recommend looking for therapists in your area. Mm-hmm. Um cuz I do like they they do have like instant messaging for this therapy. They have voice calls, they have video chats. They have all the stuff that are being offered right now for um you know, therapists in your area because of COVID. But um, I, I think that there's, there were, for me, because I just did the IMing with my therapist, I do feel, it felt like there was a wall there and I didn't get through as much as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, with my current therapist, she and I do video chats and oh my God, she calls me out on my bullshit all the time. And then she just laughs at me and I'm like, fuck you, man. And then she just laughs harder. <laughs> She's just like, you're really fun because you you take my suggestions and you and you're running with it. I'm like, well, yeah, because what I was doing put me in a pit of depression where I wasn't eating for three oh, weeks. God. Excuse ah. me. What, what I was doing wasn't working. So um, I will take whatever suggestions you have and I will run with them. Oh, my but gosh. If you're looking for a stepping place, better help therapy. Like I said, you can Google it. There's an app for it. It's a great place to get started. And then I recommend um, if your company offers any kind of therapy program or if you can uh, look for therapists in your area, that would be like my next step up because that's yes. what I'm currently doing and it's it's been huge. Yes. If your company or workplace has an EAP, an employee assistance program, use that because therapy is expensive. Um, yeah. I wish that my health insurance covered therapy, but it doesn't because- Teachers may get free health insurance, but we get shitty health insurance. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I got lucky my company had an EAP program, and I always thought, and again, this is something that I'm working through as well. Uh, there's like a stigma around therapy, like if you need therapy, you're broken. And it's like, no, 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 no. Therapy is oh my God. an amazing resource. It is truly, we truly incredible. Could do a whole episode on mental health and the stigma of mental health care. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because the way it's portrayed is like, oh, you're batshit crazy if you're going to therapy. You just it's need like, more no. Jesus. Yeah, you need Jesus to fix that hole in your heart, not <sighs> um, medication. Stigma not around that. Not yeah, a licensed counselor. Not a licensed counselor. But anyways, <laughs> I, I used I used my company's EAP program. Thankfully, they had one and I was able to get um, five free yeah. sessions out of it. And I think tomorrow oh, marks the sixth session. So I think that I'll have to start paying now um yeah but i think that she's been my therapist has been amazing about it and she's even told me like we'll talk about how much it'll be and payment plans and stuff like that oh, like good. i want you to continue yeah. with me because i want she legitimately wants to help and she's private practice so that's awesome yeah she's cool yeah i definitely oh, we have an eap but it's not very good and you don't get to choose your counselor they just like pair you with somebody at random which like i've already been working with a therapist i don't want to screw with that but yeah build it with somebody else once you've already yeah. built that relationship exactly. but amanda i would love to hear your recommendation this week yes so this week i recommend an extended essay on bodily autonomy church trauma and where those things coincide it's called you are your own by jamie lee finch I checked it out from the library when it like first came out. And let me tell you, I devoured it so quickly. I'm pretty sure I didn't comprehend a lot of it because I just like went through it so fast. and was like, this is amazing. And then I returned to the library and I was like, I want to read that again. So I'm recommending that to you. And I'm also recommending it to myself as something to read again, because it was an amazingly moving book that I absolutely want to revisit and you should also visit too if you've never visited it before. Absolutely. And always look at your local library for the books, uh, movies, music, whatever we might be recommending on here e because local libraries, you need to support your local library folks. They do so much and they ask for so little in return and they are a public service and we love them very much. Absolutely to all of that. Uh, this episode was <sighs> an intense one, but it felt good. How you doing? It felt really good. I feel like the farther away I get from my trauma and the more I talk about it, the more free I feel. Like every time I talk about it, I feel like a little weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Absolutely. And that's always what I tell the people because I am usually, and this is probably super weird, but I am usually one of the first people to want to share my story. Mm -hmm. And that's because I feel like the more I talk about it, the less, the less afraid I am of it. Yeah, And it's not like it was ever a big fear for me, but it was definitely something that I never wanted to define me. I never wanted people to look at me and think victim. Um, and by the way, to our listeners out there, you're not a victim. You're a survivor. Yes. You are a survivor. I do not like that word victim. You are a survivor. <laughs> this does not define you. You have overcome it. Mm hmm. And you are still here and we love you very much. Absolutely. And I think that is a great note for us to wrap up on. I think so too. Next week we should have a happier topic. Or yes. at least a less <laughs> intense topic. 
Well, we'll try and uh, maybe we'll do something fun. Like we'll watch a couple episodes of Veggie Tales and something oh like that, God. or try try something a little bit more lighthearted for sure. Yes. Um, but please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review uh, our podcast on Apple Podcasts in particular, but also subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you are listening to us. Um, yes. And, and if you us. found yes 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 follow us on instagram and twitter at dear god wth and if you found this episode to be a little bit more difficult maybe something was brought to the surface that you were kind of unaware of and uncomfortable with um practice some self-care this evening go do some drawing do some journaling do some like processing and thinking work and then again Please search for a therapist if you need someone to talk to and you don't have a safe space to talk about this with somebody else in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Other than that, we love you guys so much and thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.